0: Can be seated, and as you may have known, today is the last day. Province of Ontario is mandating masks for uh, many spaces, and uh, the church is one of those spaces. So we want to invite you to do whatever you feel comfortable going forward. We are not going to be making it a requirement that you have a mask on in service after today. Starting tomorrow, we're going to ride it out right to the end, um, and so after tomorrow uh, we won't be making it mandatory for you to have a mask in worship but we want you to feel comfortable we want you to feel comfortable if you want to come to service and wear a mask we are not going to judge you or think ill of you or think bad of you we understand that you want to either just wait it out a little bit longer or whatever you feel comfortable doing there to keep yourself safe others safe and uh, we respect that we want you to know that we respect that and we want this place to be a judgment-free zone in those respects that people can can uh, you know put on masks or take them off as they feel comfortable so that we're going to maintain our our seating kind of distanced a little bit uh, and and we're going to continue that you know refrain from adding our full out rows back even though we've started to do that just a little bit um, but we're going to continue that just to keep those those uh, few things in place so people can still distance themselves if they feel they, ne- they need to and, and such. We don't want any hindrances, um, you know, to, from you to come into church or saying, well, I can't go now because I'm, I'm going to feel weird if I wear a mask. Listen, you wear a mask. If you want to wear a mask for the next three years, five years, if you want to wear a mask indefinitely, we respect that. We understand. And uh, we are never going to ask you to do otherwise. So just wanted to clarify that and say that out in the open this morning. We've been dealing with this passage in Psalm 107 for the last few weeks, and uh, this passage that we see here, the Psalm 107 is the psalm of the redeemer, and we've talked about what a redeemer is. A redeemer is someone, hopefully you know the answer by now, is someone who buys back something that has been broken, something that has been sold, something that has been uh, maybe thrown away that is no longer in use. And a redeemer comes along and repurchases it, refurbishes it, revitalizes it, and brings it back to its better and original state. And here we see that the Lord is, is pictured as the one who calms the storm of the waves, of the winds, of the sea. And so he is the deliverer, but he is more than that. He is the one who gives direction. By being a redeemer, he rescues those that are in trouble. But he's also one that gives direction in the midst of the problem. What I noticed when I read this passage in Psalm 107, and I'm not sure if you picked up on it or not, but in verse 25, the the Bible makes it clear that it was God who commanded the storm to come on those on on the waves. Notice it, it says that they go down in the sea in ships that do business in the great waters. So the psalmist is talking about how the, the process of going down to the water, no matter where you are, if you're going to go on the ocean or on the lake, you're going to go down because sea level is zero. You know, they, they, talk, they measure mountain heights from sea level because sea level is considered to be zero. Everything above that is above sea level. So anytime you're going down, to the ocean or to the water, you're always going down. So the, the psalmist says these people are going down to the sea in the ships. They do business in the great waters, and these see the works of the Lord. In verse 25, you, you kind of are, I was a little shocked to see that it wasn't just the natural course of nature that was the storm, the cause of the storm. It wasn't the poor choice of the sailors that caused the storm in this passage, but it was God who commanded and raised the winds. It was God who told the waves to begin to oh up and down. It was God who told the waves to mount up to the heaven and go down again to the depths. And it was God who orchestrated the storm. This is interesting to me and a little shocking a little surprising and something that might fly in my western view of god's nature that he's not one who causes the storms but he's the one who calms the storms you know my 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 western ideas and and uh, north american glasses that I put on, my worldview, if you will. You know, you read the Bible through the lens of your how you were brought up. You read the Bible through the lens of how you were raised and, and your life experiences. Every time you read something, you're reading it through your own experiences, through the experiences of your ancestors, of your family of origin, your 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 mother, your father, your brothers, your sisters, your aunts and uncles, you're reading it through those lenses. They have impacted how you think and how you process. And so when, when I read this, I read this through the way that, that my worldview is set. And I look at this and I go, wait a minute, God is the one that's causing the storm. That's weird. I thought God was the one that's supposed to stop the storm. I mean, I always, you know, you don't really hear people writing songs about God starting the storm, right? Even today, we, we're singing songs about God covering us in the midst of the storm and bringing peace and God uh, helping us through the storm. And we we see God as the one who helps us through, but not the God of the one who starts the storm. Well, you read the scripture and you find, and, and I mean, we get this very naturally, because we read the stories, right? The stories of Jesus in the New Testament, Matthew 14, where Jesus tells his disciples, get into the boat, go across to the other side, and, and on their way across to the other side of the lake, of the, of the, of the sea, the, the, the wind comes and the storm blows, and then they see Jesus walking out on the, the water. They see Jesus calming the storm. He speaks the word, and the storm dissipates. The winds die down. The waves stop rolling back and forth. And, and and so we get this idea that God is the storm calmer. He is the, the peace speaker. But but I didn't really see him as the storm starter. I didn't really envision God as the one who caused the storm. I'm, I'm more likely to blame the devil for starting this storm, right? I, I want to put my finger of blame on somebody and and it's going to be the devil. It's not going to be God. I mean, God's the good guy in the story, right? God's the one who who does good things. And so surely it's not him who started the storm. It's, it's someone or something else that starts the storm, not God. No way. But in truth, Psalm 107 makes it clear that it, it, it was God who started the storm. Let's read Matthew 14:21 a little closer because we might we might catch some glimpses of this in this passage. Matthew 14:21 and they that had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children and they straightway constrained and straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when evening was come, he was there alone. Now, I know that Jesus is God. I know that Jesus knows everything, that Jesus, uh, he, he is aware of his destiny. He's aware of, of the mission that his disciples were on and that, that Jesus knew what was facing his disciples when he sent them across the lake, in the boat. He knew what was going to face them, yet he sent them anyway. John gives a little bit more backdrop to this passage in John chapter 6, verse 14. It says, Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, This is of a truth, a prophet that should come into the world. Now, this is very important. I want to take time to kind of talk through this to help you see what's going on. Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king. So what's going on here? Jesus feeds the multitudes miraculously. And this was amazing, right? Jesus takes five little loaves and two little fish and feeds close to 10,000 people. I know the scripture says he he fed the 5,000, but that was only the men. That was only counting the men, not counting the women and the children. So we're, we're, we're a, a, a conservative estimate would say that Jesus fed close to 10 or 12,000 people in one sitting, miraculously with five loaves of bread and two fish. This was a jaw-dropping miracle that caused the people to look at him and say, wow, um, I mean, with a king like this, we could end all of starvation problems in our area. We could have an army that would have indefinite supplies. You just bring Jesus a little piece of metal and he makes ten swords. You know, he just divides them. I mean, if Jesus can divide the bread and the fish, surely he could, he could you know, divide arrows. He could break an arrow and make four arrows. I mean... Think of the possibilities we should make him our king. And the Bible says that when Jesus saw the crowd and how they were looking at him, and how they were, per- Jesus perceived in his spirit, These guys are going to take me, and by force, they're going to make me their king. Whether I want to be king or not, these boys are going to come along and they're going to make me king. These 5,000 men. And so Jesus sends his disciples immediately into a boat. So get in that boat, get in there now, and get across the lake. Get across to the other side. This is what's going on. Why did Jesus send them directly into the path of a storm? Surely the disciples looked on the, on the, on the horizon and said, Jesus, uh, you know, those clouds, we're all fishermen, Jesus. At least a few of us are. We know when to go out on the water, and we know when to stay home. We know we've done this enough. We know that if we go out on that, 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 that water right now, and we try to cross, Jesus, we're going to run headlong into the biggest storm of our lives. I think, Lord, maybe we should walk. Maybe we should just take the long way around. You really want to get to the other side? No problem, Jesus. It's not that far. Maybe it'll add a couple extra days, but hey, that's a whole lot better than drowning in the middle of of the sea. Come on, Jesus. Jesus, I can just see him get in that boat. Quit arguing with me. Get in that boat. Get in there now. Do as I say and get across to the other side of the lake. Okay, so they do it. What was Jesus doing? Jesus knew. That if this group of men that he had just fed with five loaves of fish and two, five loaves and two fish, if they tried to make him king, the disciples would have jumped all over that. They would have been like, "This is the moment we're waiting for." This, you see, you have to get in the head of the Jew at this time. Stop reading it from your Western perspective and read it through it through the, the eyes of a first-century Jew. Every first-century Jew was raised from a small child to look for Messiah to come along and free the people from the enslavement enslavement of the Romans, the Greeks, and all the oppressing nations that were around them. The same kind of tensions that exist in Israel today are not old tensions. Those are They're not new tensions. Those are old tensions that have always been there. They've just used different weapons over the years and had different nationalities and different, maybe, on. Uh, set concerns, but the same kind of tension for the land of Israel has been there since before the days of Jesus. And so the disciples are looking at this saying, this is the guy, he's the one that's going to take us and deliver us from our captors, he's going to deliver us from the ones that have enslaved us, that have uh, uh, mistreated us for so long, we are going to make him king by force, and Jesus knew, because he was God, that if this group of men got behind me this This way, my disciples would not be able to restrain themselves, and they would join in. And it's not time for this. See, with God, timing is everything. With God, timing is everything. It was not time for Jesus to be made king of an earthly kingdom, because he had not yet conquered and paid for the sin of man. He could set up an earthly kingdom, yes, but it would be a kingdom still ravaged by the by the onslaught of sin, by the onslaught of corruption. I'm sorry, but I, I don't really have a political affiliation that I, I I hold to. I don't think one is really better than the other. I have no hope in a political system. I have no hope that that a, a certain president is going to come along in the U.S. is going to fix everything, and I really have no hope that a new prime minister is going to be elected or a new premier is going to be elected that's going to be better than the one before them they're all going to have their thing and and it's you know people get shocked when politicians come out with all kinds of corruption and I go you know I'm not that shocked because they're just like everybody else in the world everybody's got corruption they're just the ones that are in the the, in the limelight (laughs) everybody's got got skeletons in their closet. I mean, come on. I roll my eyes at the way some of these reporters write about these, these things that are found and the lies that they uncover and the, the scandals that they unearth as if they've never stained their garments, in their, in, as if they've never gotten a spot of grape juice on their shirt in the years that they've lived. And they, they write such scathing attacks against these politicians and leaders. And I have nobody in mind. I'm just talking here, okay? you just let me talk for a minute but you know what I mean like I just I look at that and I go yeah okay well they have skeletons no they shouldn't have done that yes they they, that was wrong of them to do that yes they should be held accountable but Come on, people. We're never going to find the perfect leader. There's never going to be a human that's going to rise to the scene that's going to have it all together. Somebody they're going to they're going to come and they're going to go. Kingdoms are going to rise and they're going to fall. They're very, very, very seldom are you ever going to get someone in office that's going to have it all together because we all have the same problem. We have a sinful twisted, corrupted, untrustworthy heart. So Jesus knew I I could set up a kingdom, but it would not be the longevity. I've got to tackle the first problem. I've got to deal with the sin issue. If I deal with the sin issue then later I can come in as the king and set up my kingdom of which there'll be no end and and it'll be I'll be the prince of peace then not the prince of war and, and they, they'll be you know I'll be the wonderful counselor in that sense but but right now it's not time so disciples get in the boat and get across the other side I don't care if there's a storm in your way See sometimes God will allow a storm or send you into a storm, or cause a storm, in your life and what you've got to realize is that he knows the timing of your life. He knows the timing of the circumstances in the situations. He sent his disciples into the midst of physical danger. He sent them into the center of a hurricane. The center of a tempestuous storm that was going to literally capsize their boat and wipe them out off the face of the earth and he did that no Knowing that it was the best of the both options. It was better for his disciples to endure a night of tough storm. Than to put him up in the place of king before it was the time. See God is the director of your life and my life. And I can trust him even in the midst of the storm. That's why in that song we said, cover me in the midst of my storm. God I don't expect you to calm every single storm. Sometimes you want me to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Sometimes you're not going to give me the detour around the problem, but you're going to walk with me through the problem. You're going to walk me through the situation knowing that it's for my benefit. See, we're not promised smooth sailing. I I love the Bible because the Bible never does promise you uh, the the garden of roses without the thorns. The Bible never promises you the garden without the trouble. The Bible never promises you the garden without the serpent uh, because even in the midst of God's perfect garden, there was a snake in the garden that God didn't put there, but God allowed the snake to be in the garden to test uh, and to prove Adam and Eve, uh, and you could have said, well, God God should have gotten rid of the snake out of the garden, and then Eve would have never sinned, and Adam would have never sinned, and we'd still be walking around in that garden of Eden, eating fruit all day long, and, and unaware of shame and guilt and sin and problems, but you cannot have love without a choice, and so God let the snake live in his beautiful garden to give man the choice, will you serve me, or will you disobey me? Will you follow my instructions? Will you do my will? Or will you walk in the wisdom of your own understanding? We're not promised smooth sailing. Never are you ever promised smooth sailing. But you are promised that through your situations, God has already overcome them. God has already walked you through it. God has already promised you that he could bring you to an expected end something good. John 16, says, Jesus said, I have I told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. we got to learn how to have peace in Jesus. Peace in him. Not peace on, on our situation. You may never have peace in your, your situation. Finances may never be a source of peace for you. Health May never be a source of peace for you. I know this may not be exactly the happy, you know, flowers and celebration message that everybody wants to hear. But the truth is, sometimes we just don't have a guarantee of peace in the in our, in our health, uh, peace in our finances, or peace in our, our circumstances. But Jesus said, "You can have peace in Me if you're in Me and you allow Me to work in you, and, and you are going to have many trials and sorrows." Jesus said, "But take heart, I." have overcome the world. Uh, whatever it is that you're faced with, I've already defeated it. I've already conquered it. Uh, I've already made it of no effect. Uh, I've already purchased your salvation. Uh, you're forever said the church is forever settled. The church is going to ride out to the end. The church is destined for victory. Your job is just to stay in the church. Uh, if I may put it to you this way, your job is to work at staying in the boat. Uh, don't get out of the boat before it's time. Uh, don't Don't get out of the will of God because you're upset or offended or frustrated or dealing with doubt or discouragement. Stay in the boat. Stay in Jesus. Keep your faith in him. Keep your faith strong. Sometimes storms are the results of our own choices, right? If you drink and drive, you probably will get arrested, and that that could be a, a pretty bad storm that you have to go through, right? A bad situation or you could even worse have a collision in which you injure or kill another person that that's that's a terrible storm for you to be in and for the the victims of your choices to be in that would be a storm of your own making and and even in those storms i would venture to say that god is able to redeem you even out of that kind of circumstance god is able to see you through even if, and I, if there's anybody here today that you're the victim of something that you did not do to yourself. You did not choose the outcome. There's many people that are here, just statistically, I could just say statistically of all the people that are in the room, somebody here has suffered unjustly. Somebody here has been the victim of somebody else's poor choice. Somebody else in this room, whether whether mildly or severely, you have been the victim of somebody else's sin or somebody else's bad choice. And it is a storm that sometimes rages in you to the point, I don't know if you've ever woken up feeling like you're already on the high seat, so I don't know if you've ever woken up and feel like the train is already whistling down the wrong track, you're already mad, and you haven't even opened your eyes yet, I I had a, a thing like that the other day, I woke up, and I man, my brain was just like a tempest, it was like going crazy, I was angry, I was frustrated, and nobody did me wrong, nobody did anything to me, I just woke up in a bad mood on the wrong side of the bed, some memories were flashing in my brain, some things that were done were said, and I began to mutter and stew You ever have a conversation with someone and they're not even in the room? Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Don't make Pastor feel like he's all alone up here. Come on, somebody talk back to me. We've all had that. We've all done those things. What what is that? That's a storm. That's a a tempest. That's a a, a mental and an emotional roller coaster that you can be on. And and I love the way the psalm says it's like the, the waves took me up to the heavens and then dropped me down into the depths of the earth. That is a beautiful poetic description of sometimes what a storm feels like. You feel something good and then bam, it just drops you right down into the pit of the earth and you just want the earth to open up and swallow you whole. That's a storm, folks. That's a storm. That that is something and I read the psalm and it says it was God who stirred up the winds. God said, "Come on, waves, rock their boat a little bit." Come on, it's time. They need to go through something. And I'm thinking, "Man, what What do you think you're doing?" I'm here serving you. I'm here trying to live for you. I'm here trying to walk right. I'm trying to make good choices. I'm trying to live right and do right. God, why on earth are you sending a storm to me? Because just like Jesus sent his disciples into the middle of a storm, so God sends me and sends you sometimes into the middle of a storm. But he never abandons you in the storm. Read Matthew 14. This is, this is where Jesus is different from every other God, every other deity, every other religion you read about. This is where Jesus diverges and is not like any others. He is holy in this respect. He is alone and separated, unlike any other God, unlike any other support system. He may allow you to go through something, but the Bible says the ship was in the midst of the sea, tossed with the waves. For the wind was contrary. The wind was their enemy. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. Jesus, well, what, let's go back to what happened. Jesus sends them out says, you know what, boys? You need to get in this ship and you need to ride to the other side. The only goal here is you get away from these, this crazy crowd of 10,000 people. They're going to make me king, and if you're here, you're going to help them. Get in this boat and get across the other side. It's time. You need to face a storm. And the Bible says Jesus went up to the mountain to pray. Why did Jesus send his disciples? Remember, you go down to the sea, right? He sends them down. Sometimes God allows you to go down in life. You want to go up, but Jesus says, no, it's time for you to go down. You get in that boat. And you go into the middle of that storm. Jesus sends him into the storm, and Jesus does not get in a boat and follow them. Jesus turned around and walked away from them. And you might go, God, we're going this way. You're going that way. But what did Jesus, he walked up them. Why did he go up the mountain so he could watch them? He may allow me to go through it, but he's never going to allow me to go through it all by myself. Why did he go up the mountain to pray? Why didn't he just stay there at, the, at the, 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 the water? Why didn't he stay there so he could get there faster to them? He knew what they were going to face. Why did he go up the mountain to pray so he could see where they were? So God may allow you to go into a storm, and you may feel like you are all by yourself. You may feel like you are alone the problem that you are facing that you're struggling with, that you're dealing with the situation that you're in the doubt, the confusion, the fear you feel abandoned and by yourself but Jesus has not left you alone, he is just keeping his eye on you and if he keeps his eye on the sparrow and knows when a sparrow falls one of the most insignificant birds of the air God knows exactly where you are because in the fourth watch of the night around 3 to 6 a.m. Jesus says all right it's time i've let them go through this long enough they've been going through they've thrown everything over the side they've bailed long enough they've tried to navigate this thing and they 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 they, they can't get they can't get anywhere it's time for me to start Getting to where they are, and Jesus does not get into a boat. He doesn't get a speedboat, a ski doo. He doesn't get a parachute. He doesn't fly a plane and and land out where they are. No, the Bible says Jesus begins to walk on top of the water to get to where they are. I want you to know this morning that Jesus is unaffected by your storm. You may feel like you are in the throes of confusion and doubt and you're up one day and down the next. You're confused today, and you have clarity tomorrow. And I want you to know that Jesus is not bothered by your doubt. He's not bothered by your fear. He's not bothered by your confusion. He's not bothered by your situations. He's not thrown off when the doctor calls you and says, We found a spot on your lung, and we don't know what it is, but we got to do a biopsy. I'm here to tell you, Jesus isn't thrown by that wave. Jesus isn't tossed by the call for, from a family member that says, hey, I need another $1,000. Uh, Jesus isn't tossed uh, by the situation when your boss calls you and says, sorry, we've had too many COVID expenses. Uh, we've got to let your position go. Uh, we're consolidating everything and you're the one that got cut. Uh, I'm sorry, honey. I know you were looking for a paycheck this week, but I'm sorry. We just can't seem to make it do. Jesus isn't thrown uh, by the wave. Uh, he's not thrown by the storm. Uh, he's not thrown by the wind. But he can walk out to you on the top of that wave, on the top of that water. But I love the next, it's so cool. I mean, you, you, the Bible's cool. Mark six 48. I'm piecing together the three gospels because, you know, every, every gospel tells it from a different perspective, you know. Like you get around at Thanksgiving or Christmas and everybody tells that same funny story they all tell it a little bit different, and it's funnier from all the different facets. So it's like that in the Gospels. They tell the same story from different angles. That's why I'm jumping from Matthew to John to Mark. You get a full 360 view of what's going on. Mark 6. So he saw them ro- toiling and rowing, and the wind was contrary to them about the fourth watch of the night. He cometh to them walking upon the sea, and would have passed them by. Whew. I mean, so you 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 sent us into this thing. Let me just get this straight. Let me break it down. You sent me into this thing. You walked the other way up the mountain to go pray. Mm-hmm. And then you, you, all right, so you come out to me, but you're going to walk by me? You're not going to come straight to me? See, this is the Western problem, right? I read this with Western eyes, and I go, uh-uh. No, no, no. You're going to come walking out to the water. You're going to get in my boat. You're going to take care of this thing. You're coming to me. I mean, hey, you sent me into this. You come fix it, right? You broke it. You fix it. And so the Bible says he would have walked by them. Why? Because in Israel, it was custom. When you go to a town to visit a friend, you don't go to their house. You walk by their house. But you're going to see them. Yeah, but it's the custom for you to pretend as though you are just passing by. And they're to be out looking for you. And they call to you and say, hey, come on in. No, it's okay. Don't worry about it. It was custom for you to refuse the invitation. No, it's okay. I don't want to trouble. No, 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 no. You come in. No, no, no. And you had to refuse three times. That was custom. Wait a minute, so you, you sent them a letter and said, hey, I'm gonna be, I want to come see you, right? So this is the problem with my Western mind. Like when, when I call a friend and book a time together, I don't expect them to drive by my house and me have to run out and chase them down <laughs> three times, right? But this was the custom. You walk by their house three times and, and all three times you refuse. And finally, they had to come out and grab you and take you back to the house and insist that you sit there and you eat with them. Because it it showed, first of all, that you were willing to be a good host to the point that you would compel them to come into the house. So Jesus was just doing the custom. I'm coming to you. Uh, Let's make no mistake. The only reason I'm walking on this water, on this storm to you is to come and help you. But I'm only coming to help you if you're going to invite me in. See the problem is we let God walk by us uh, on the water of our storm and he's walking by you right today. Your storm is no less uh, tempestuous and turmoilous than it was when you woke up this morning but Jesus is walking by you right now in this service and he sends you little reminders. Uh, he lets the sun break through the gray, gray clouds uh, and that warm ray hits you on the face. Uh, I, you Read Romans. Romans says that creation is there to testify to you that God is good and that his mercies are everlasting, that he's faithful, that he's good to you. Every time the sun shines, every time a bird sings, it may seem insignificant to you, but you can just take it as Jesus is walking on the waters of your storm. You're still you're still struggling with the the, the the emotion of what you're going through. But if you could let that thing just pause for half a second, you could feel the sun, you could hear the birds, you could remember a verse of the scripture that says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because your rod and your staff, they come for me. What's the significance of the rod to the sheep? The rod was that crook, it was that 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 shepherd's staff that That a hook in it, that if the sheep got a little too close to the edge of the mountain, the shepherd could launch his his staff out there and pull the sheep back to safety. But what's the significance of the the rod and the staff? Well, the other one was more like a club that the shepherd kept on the back of his pouch uh, attached to his belt loop uh, so that if a wolf got too close to the sheep, the shepherd could whip out that staff and whack that thing on the head. What's the significance of it? When I'm walking through the difficult times of life, uh, he's there to catch me if I fall and beat back my enemy if he gets a little too close. Uh, I'm here to tell you that Jesus sometimes goes walking on the water right by you in the middle of the storm. What's he looking for? He's wondering if you'll obey the voice, the verse of scripture that says, let everything that have breath praise the Lord. Uh, He's wondering if you'll just open up your mouth uh, and confess your faith to him and say, I don't know where you are. You may be on the mountain watching me through this thing. You may be praying for me I don't know God but I sure need you to walk on by me today dear my blessed my savior I need you to hear my humble cry this morning hear me and answer my prayer Maybe open up the Psalms, begin to crack open some of those passages, and identify with the reality of what those psalmists were going through when they said, How long, O oh Lord, are you going to wait to answer my prayer? How long is it going to be? Do I have to go through this thing before you step in and avenge me, God? How long do I have to wait? What was the psalmist do? He was letting Jesus know that if you're passing by, I'm talking to you. If you're passing me by in the middle of my storm, I'm not letting you go by without hearing my voice. If you're passing by my house today, Jesus, hear my voice. I'm going to call out to you in prayer. I'm going to call out to you in worship. I'm going to call out to you in the midst of my trouble. And the Bible says that when the disciples saw him, they cried out for fear. so, So Jesus goes to pass them by. He would have passed them by. And they cried out. But they were afraid. And Jesus said, okay, you know what? You cried in fear, I'll take it. You cried out in distress, no problem, I'll take it. Maybe it wasn't the the, the invitation I was looking for, but good enough. You opened your mouth, I heard you, and I'm going to respond. And Jesus said, be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. Now you're reading that in the English. In the translation, but in the original it said Jesus, Jesus literally said to them, be of good cheer, I am. Woo. And that would have hit them like a ton of bricks right between the eyes. Because that was the same thing God said to Moses in the burning bush. When Moses said, what is your name? What do I tell the people that are enslaved by a pharaoh in Egypt that wants nothing but their hard labor and their destruction? God said to Moses, tell my people I am. Moses said, who do I say is sending me in the middle of their trouble? God said, Moses, you just tell the people I am has sent me to you. Uh, Just just tell the people I am. So Jesus walks in the middle of the the storm on the boat, and, and he's walking right by them, and they go, ah. And Jesus said, don't worry, I am. Don't worry, I am. It's me. Same God in the burning bush, it's me in the flesh. Same God that walked you through the middle of the Red Sea, it's me in the flesh. Hey, if I was able to part the sea so your nation could walk through on dry ground, you better believe I can just tell this thing to shh and it'll calm. Jesus wanted them to have a revelation in the midst of their situation. Why does God allow you to go through a storm so he can reveal himself to you? So he can reveal his, so you can walk out of that storm and say I know in whom I have put my faith. I now have not just a pretty story out of the pages of scripture, but I have my own testimony and nobody can take my testimony because I got in the middle of a test. Someone can argue with me about the days of creation someone can argue with me about whether or not noah built an ark and how many animals he put in there they can argue with me and get all the forensic evidence they want but i've got my own little testimony and nobody can take it from me because when i was in trouble he saw me through when i was in confusion he brought clarity when i was in the middle of my storm he walked out on the water and met me where I was. Why doesn't somebody lift your hands and begin to thank God and give him praise? Come on, let your voice out. He's walking by you in the midst of your storm. He's walking by you in the midst of your trouble. He would would have walked by you a few times, but you cry out in your distress, and he hears you out of his holy hill. He hears you out of the midst of your pain. He hears you in the midst of your confusion. He hears you in the midst of your trial. He hears you in the midst of your problem he is your deliverer he is your healer he is your way maker he is your helper in the midst of your trouble he is the way when there seems to be no way Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You walk out to me in the middle of my problem. You walk out to me in the middle of my situation. You walk out to me in the middle of my problem and my problems. God, there is nothing too hard for you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So Jesus reveals himself as the great I am. Peter, one of the 12, says, Lord, if it's really you, bid me to come on the water. Peter wanted to take it a step further. What was Peter doing? Well, he was just doing the custom, right? Jesus would have walked by. Peter was trying to get Jesus in the boat. Just like If it was a guest walking by, he would have come out of his house. and said, wait a minute, wait a minute, come on in. Have a a seat, have a drink. Rest your weary, your weary legs. You must have been walking for a long time. Jesus, if it's you, bid me to come out. Peter knew, hey, this is water. This isn't the sand outside my house. If I step out on this stuff, I'm going to sink. I'm going down. So Jesus, if it's you, bid me to come out to you and walk on the water and bring you back to the ship. I want you I don't I just don't want you to pass by me. I want you in my boat. I don't want you to just Give me a touch on Sunday. I want you to get in my car and ride home with me for Monday morning. I don't want you just, you know, passing me by on a service. I want you to live in my house. I want you in my boat. And Peter says, Lord, bid me to come on the water. And Jesus said, come. And Peter gets out and begins to walk. But when he sees the wind boisterous, uh, he was afraid and began to sink. And Jesus didn't let him go. Jesus didn't go, oh, too bad for you. There goes, anybody else want to try? What does Jesus do? He grabs Peter by the hand, and he says, oh, thou of little faith. And you might look at that and go, oh, Jesus, do you really have to rebuke Peter? I don't think it was. I don't think it was a rebuke at all. I think Jesus was maybe a little bit rebuking, but mostly encouraging Peter. Peter, you had a little faith. You you. Man, you started well. Why did you doubt? You started so good. You had little faith. But if little faith got Peter out of the boat onto the wind and the waves, can you imagine what Jesus felt like great faith would be? If little faith caused Peter to float on top of water in the middle of a storm, I wonder what great faith would do. I wonder what great faith in God would do. I think Jesus was just acknowledging the reality of the human struggle. That sometimes all we got is a little bit of faith. All we got, and you know what? A little bit is always enough. A little bit is always enough. What's the little bit of faith for you? Well, it takes faith to do anything in the walk with God. Have you ever realized how much faith it takes for you just to pray, just to open up your mouth and begin to talk to somebody who ain't there, who's not really visible or in front of you? It takes a confidence in something unseen to begin to pray. How much faith did it take for you to get your clothes on this morning and get yourself prepared? and get out of the house and put your mask on and come out to worship at church. That was little faith. You're walking on water right where you're standing. What I want to encourage with somebody is don't let the little faith be discredited. Don't let the enemy whisper in your ear and say, well, you don't have enough faith. And you just talk back to that old devil and say, listen, if I got enough faith to get up this morning uh, and talk to somebody who isn't even here, then I've got enough faith to see me through this situation. If I got enough faith to get in my car and get to church on Sunday morning uh, and worship a little bit in the service. uh, I have faith to take the next step. Uh, I have faith to go to the next level. I have faith to go to the next part and allow God to do a work in my life and transform my way of living. Don't quit talking faith. Don't quit speaking faith uh, into your circumstance. Don't quit Saying, God's going to see me through this. Uh, if I'll hold my peace, uh, God's going to fight my battles for me. If I if I, if I need some help, I can go and find counsel, godly counsel. God will walk me through this. Uh, God will see me through this. When I know in whom I've believed, I want you to have confidence in your God. Why don't you stand with me this morning? And if you need a touch from the Lord, you can make your way to this front area and pray if you like or pray in your seat wherever you feel comfortable this morning but God has a word for you this morning God has given a word to you already in this service hallelujah Jesus hallelujah Lord in the midst of my trouble in the midst of my circumstance Lord hallelujah Jesus I know that you're with me Lord I know that you're with me Jesus hallelujah Hallelujah, Jesus.
1: Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Why don't you just talk to him for a
0: moment before we sing? Jesus, I need you, Lord. Come on, maybe you're in the boat. Maybe you're in the boat. You need need God to take a moment and answer your prayer. I want you to cry out to him. Jesus, don't pass me by, Lord. You know what I'm faced with. Hallelujah. You know what I'm
1: dealing with today, Jesus. You've been watching me. You've been watching me, Lord. Hallelujah.
0: storm this morning but you know someone who is would you let God pray through you for that person would you let God pray for that person through you you may be the person on the wall someone on the mountaintop able to see the storm that that person is in would you be the one that prays for them Lord visit them on the water of their situation God you've been so good to me I know that you can be good to them, Lord. Hallelujah. I trust you, Jesus. trust your hand in the midst of the storm, Lord. You brought this thing into my life for a purpose. You brought it into my life for a reason. Help me to follow your direction, God. Don't pass me by. Don't pass me by in the midst of the storm. Help me to keep speaking faith. Help me to keep speaking hope and faith in you, Lord, knowing that you're going to walk me through this. You're going to see me through this, Jesus. This wasn't meant for my destruction, but for my good, Lord. Cover me, Lord Jesus, when I'm weak. Cover me, Lord Jesus, when I'm not strong. I will sing of your goodness, Jesus. You've still been good to me. If I'm faced a storm, you've still been good to me, Lord. You've still been so good to me. You're deserving of
1: my praise.
0: you this morning. Lord, I pray a blessing and a favor on your people, Lord. Go before them, ahead of them, on each side of them, Jesus. Cover them, I pray, in the name of Jesus. Lord, cause them to be prosperous in whatever they do, whatever they touch. Let the blessing of Joseph rest on them, Lord Jesus, that whatever they put their hands to, God, will double, will triple, will flourish, God, so that they can be a blessing to others, so that they can help lost people find their way, Lord, and Givers and generosity, Lord, would cover them and permeate their life, Jesus. Generous with their time, generous with their money, generous with their ability, generous with their love, Lord. Make us conduits and pipelines for you to flow through into this earth. Let your peace wash over us, God, not just to bring comfort and rest to our own eyes or our own heads, God, but to make us productive in this life, to be able to reach those who are still without peace, who are still in darkness, who are still struggling and still trying to keep their head above water. Lord, make us into the kind of vessels you want us to be. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, bless us so we can be a blessing. Amen. God bless you this morning.